we get to hear a good message from a guy from the wrong city um, again today. So, uh, Bart, why don't you come on up? Bart's going to be our guest speaker this week to talk about outreach. So, right person, wrong town. Are you, are you sure wrong city? Because you got a lot of wrong city people here. <laughs> <clears throat> They've been here long enough that they're delivered. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, since we're on the topic, it's also Piat instead of Piat, but whatever. I figured. Um, I'm really excited to be here uh, again this morning. Bear with me. Uh, being a cancer survivor and freshly off medicine once in a while, you have those days where you're like, I hope I stand up the entire time. So if I go out, it's not out in the spirit. I need somebody to prop me back up. So Ron, that's your gig. <clears throat> um, first off, I'm so excited for Pastor Joey and Pastor Macy. You're on the team, girl. Uh, I'm excited that you guys have a ministry that's going here and you've got a ministry team uh, supporting you and with you. So I don't know if you get this all the time, but I want to do it. I want to thank you. Can we thank them for what they do here? I know how much work goes in uh, to this job. And uh, sometimes it's a mission, and sometimes, here's a secret. Sometimes you're, you're like, God, I don't want to do this. And God's like, well, you're going to do it anyway. We just sang a song, right, about God found me where I left me. Yeah, he'll find you. You cannot hide from him. Uh, that's what makes him so good, so good. Now, I love music. Anybody here love music? I mean, man, put the music on all day long, listening to some groovy tunes, right? So, uh, who loves music the most here? Ken, do you, do you really? I need you to come up here, man. I need a volunteer. Come on up here. This is Ken. How about what Ken does? Right here. So, you're talented, right? God gave you yeah, a gift. Much. It's not your gift. God gave it to you, it's right? It's all from God. All right. So, if I'm ever in a battle against the enemy, okay. and I need, because I can't, I can't play. I'm not talented that way. I'm going to call you up. I'm going to say, hey, I need some prayer time, but I need you to make a way. Right. How does that make you feel? It makes me feel eager. Eager? Excited. Are you for real? Because I feel like you're playing right now. Really? Are you really? Did you just see me? I, I did. I did. All right. All right. <laughs> I need to pump you up. All right. You pump? You I'm ready? ready? Go, baby. I need you to go get me something. I mean, like, bring Water? something. No, 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 no. No. This music up here. Bring something. All right? It's got to be good. Don't be bringing it part way. Bring it all the way. We're going to judge you out here. Bring it all the way. to you. It's good. It's good. Something's missing, Ken. Can you, can you help me with what's missing? I mean, something's missing. Yeah. Hey, Heather, come on, help me out here. 
Now, can she bring it too? Okay. All right. Not part way. still something's missing. Am I wrong? Do you feel it? Come on. We need, we need some more. Where's I mean, Megan? we're going to fight Megan? the devil here. Where's we need Megan? more. Megan. Here we go. Here we go. All right. Now look how sweet she is. She can bring it. She's lying. Okay. She's sweet. <laughs> she didn't even say nothing. I called her a liar. That's messed up. <laughs> yet guys there's something I mean you're all good Drew are you offended uh, Pastor Joey will meet with you Wednesday about that <clears throat> now listen you guys are great Thank you. but we're still missing something do you agree Ken yeah yeah what are we missing we need, we need the man come on up here see he's the oldest so he gets called the man so he gets like a band name y'all are your regular names but he's the man he's all right, that's cool. The man. All right. Now we got to really. The legend. We got to really bring it now. We got to work it now. Yeah. He's got to get situated. He's, it's really good when he finally does get it going. <laughs> right. <laughs> Thank you. 
here. But you see, guys, I used to listen to this band. You guys may have heard of them. This was before I repented. They're called the Beatles. And there was this one guy that everybody's like, they don't need that guy. And he looked all goofy and stuff, but he was, he was the, not the best guy, but he was the guy. He brought it all together. Ringo Starr played drum. Do you have a goofy looking one that can like complete? I mean. I mean, we want to hear the completeness. I got one you that once you get started, it's hard to slow him down. I hear you. I hear you. Matter of fact, I'm going to step back a second. I want to feel it. So, what was all that about, right? It's a demonstration that you can't do it on your own. You can be good. Who wants to be good at something? I coached for quite a while, and I didn't want to be good. Good people get like a participation trophy. Nothing wrong with that if you got one sitting at home on your mantle that's been there for 20 years, like... I got this for showing up in the third grade. All right, good job. I'm all for y'all. I'm good. But God called us to be great. He really did. He called us to be great. He's great, number one, and he can empower us to be so. And so I love the fact, Ken, I love the fact that you and your band bring it. Because if you're going to do it, you might as well do it all the way and not part of the way, right? And so I'm excited about that because <clears throat> we're better together. We are. We're better together. 
If Pastor Joey shows up and he's the only one here, his message is what? It's kind of worthless, right? You need people here. You need the whole body working together. So better together, what are some things that you might think are better together? For, wait, what did you said peanut butter and jelly? Did this already pop up? No. Peanut butter and jelly is better together. Like, have you ever had just a peanut butter sandwich? All right, I hope my aunt's not watching this. But we used to go to her house, and she'd make peanut butter sandwiches, and I'd be like, what? That's not how you do it. Can you not afford jelly? That doesn't make sense. And so finally, I guess my uncle got a job, and then we started having peanut butter and jelly. And peanut butter and jelly makes so much sense, even to this day. If I could only eat one thing, it would probably be crawfish trio from Papado's, but number two... Number two would be peanut butter and jelly with a cold glass of milk. What are some other things that are better together? Some of you may know. Let me hear them. Well, but that's going without saying. I mean, you don't even need to say that one. But how about this? Anybody remember Laverne and Shirley and Abbott and Costello? How many people would watch a TV show called Laverne? Just Laverne? But Carol Burnett needed Tim Conway, right? So Laverne and Shirley, we needed Shirley. And then Abbott and Costello, listen, I watched a YouTube video of just Abbott. Uh-uh. No, need Costello too. Got to have them both. So these, these guys are better together. You know what? What else is better together? That's right. LeBron and Cleveland is better together. Not LeBron in L.A. That's not better together. We'll see. LeBron and Cleveland, better together. Just like the church body, we're better together. You need everybody. Joe, you said it, Pastor. You know, when you're sitting here and you're talking about, like, once I get to the point where I think that I can't do any better, I call that a professional Christian. I'm amateur status. I've been in amateur status for a long time. Um, and so once you become a professional, once you're so good at it, there's no getting better. Nobody wants to listen to you anymore. We want to relate, man. This world's full of broken people, isn't it? Just turn your TV set on. We're all broken. The problem is that so many people are trying to find other things to put them back together. The only thing that can really put us back together is Jesus Christ. And, and so since we all believe that and all know that, then there should be no discord amongst the brethren because we're all under the agreement that we need Jesus Christ. He's the one that fuses us together. He's the one that, uh, that, that brings us. He brings different talents. There can't, this church would implode if there were two of you, Ken. I praise God there's only one. But, but we need that one, right? You need that one. And so it's awesome that we have all different talents, it's awesome that you have people that just want to serve, you know, that, that don't want the spotlight. They just want to lift up. Someone needed to lift Moses' arms at one point, and that needed to be somebody that didn't need the spotlight on them. Amen? And so, let me actually look at notes. Sorry about that. So, uh, title is We're Better Together Still. <laughs> Peanut butter, jelly, okay, okay. First Corinthians 
chapter 12, verse 14 through 16 says this, For in fact the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, am I not of the body? Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, Because I'm not an ear, am I not of the body? Is it therefore not of the body? See, what happens is that, Pastor Joey, you get to come up here, and that looks like a cool gig. It does. And then maybe somebody else wants to do that. But not everybody gets to do that. Not everybody gets to play guitar and lead. Not everybody gets to do what God may have marked out for you or called you to do. And so, as a body, you have to find your place. And then maybe in time, you work up to something like that. I'm sure that if you go and do a a study of David through Scripture, you will find out that he struggled very much with wanting to go a little faster than God at times, right? And it takes what Pastor talked earlier about surrender. Surrender. Surrendering to that calling. Surrendering to what Christ has for us. We can't do outreach if we can't surrender and love each other. What good would it be? You know, if I'm, if I'm coaching a team and some people in here have been coaches, if you're coaching a team and you're not putting your best product out there, how do you expect to win? And what are you trying to win anyway? As a body of Christ, we ought to be trying to win souls. That's what God called us to do, right? He called us to go out. And he called us to multiply. He said, go into the ends of the earth, preaching about who Christ is, resurrecting souls, dead souls. Listen, it's easy to complain, isn't it? You turn your TV on, and we have everybody we can complain about. You watch this news channel, you can complain about that people. You watch this news channel, you can complain about that people. And we can just complain, complain, complain. But who did Jesus die for? All the people. So who's entitled to the love of Christ? Everybody. So, man, we, we, we allow ourselves to be so filled with this venom that we cannot minister any longer. We, I, I say we've got to let that go. We got to bury that. We got to get rid of that and allow God to actually use us. I don't even know if we know what it's like to be fully, completely used by God. Like what could he possibly do when we're completely and utterly surrendered? Uh, when I accepted the gift of Christ, I laid down my life and my desires to follow him. Now, that's a cliche. That's a pretty Christianese term, right? You give your life to Christ, and you're like, I'm going to lay my life down, and I'm going to follow him. And then you wake up Monday, and you're like, Jesus, get in the back seat, man. I'll take you where we're going. And that's not how it works. Uh, Matthew 11.30. Matthew 11.30 says, For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Now, right there is a yoke. Yoke up, right? Now, if you know anything about a yoke, anybody hear the term, like, my yoke is easy, and you don't, you're like, is he talking about eggs, or what's he talking about here? This is what he's talking about. When Jesus says, my yoke is easy, it's because we're letting him lead. You're letting him be the big bull, and you're going to go where he's going. A lot of people give their life to Jesus Christ and then struggle. And they're like, man, ever since I gave my life to Christ, things have been terrible. 
I have heard it. And guess what? Sometimes they get, they get rough. But you notice how rough they are when you're the one trying to lead the yoke. God's not going that direction. Jesus doesn't want to go that direction. He created a new man, a new woman. He wants you to go his direction. And so when he says, my yoke is easy, and you're like, no, it's not, you may be going the wrong way because it is easy. And it may take a lot of surrender, but your burdens will be lighter. Listen, either, it's either trash or treasure. So Matthew 11.30 is either true or false, right? Right is always right. And so Matthew 11.30, if it says, for my yoke is easy and my burdens are light, then Jesus, I believe you. So at times when it's not easy and when my burdens aren't light, I go back to the scripture and say, show me where I'm in error because I know that you're not. I know that Christ is never in error. I know that there are no falsehoods in the scripture. And so where am I in error? And it may be in relationships. Boy, isn't that where the church struggles the most? Relationships? I mean, we do. We got a lot of characters here. Got a lot of charisma. And, and, and so you, you get all these, you know, some people like to live a quiet and meek life. And then all of a sudden, you get a young Pastor Joey in here, and he's talking about Chipotle. And, and then you're like, I don't like that he always talks about Chipotle. Well, have you been there? It's good. It is. <clears throat> it's really good. But some people might rub each other the wrong way. I know it happened in Scripture. You got disciples arguing who the best one is. They did that all the way back then. All the way back then, they're trying to figure out who the best one is. And some of them got to write stuff in Scripture. So, of course, John's like, I'm the one Jesus loved. All through Scripture, he's like, the one that Jesus loved was there. Parentheses, it was me. <clears throat> right? Uh, so kudos to him. I would have written it that way too. Um, and, and so you, you get these guys together that Jesus is like, let's go and do something amazing. And even they're struggling. They're having a difficult time. All right, I'm going to follow the Holy Spirit. Let's be real. Jesus needed together. Could he have done it by himself? Now, listen, we're all going to say, well, he sure could have, right? Because he's Jesus, he's God. But he chose to do it a different way. He chose to do it together as a body with help. Now, some of us are like, man, look at all the help that he got, right? You got Peter going, ah, I don't know him. You got one of them going, here he is, come get him, right? And, 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 then, and then the forgotten women that never get talked about are the ones that kept showing up for him, right? You got a couple women walking around going, that's my Savior, that's my, that's my God. And yet we don't talk about them a lot. We talk about these guys that keep screwing things up. Well, Genesis said this. <laughs> listen, guys, listen. Guys, I need you to humble yourself because I'm going to get some things right here. Women, hold your applause. <clears throat> in Genesis, God created man in his image, and, 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 and then he said, it is not good that he should be alone. And then he created woman. That's not a mistake, is it? It's either trash or treasure. So God knew that we needed help. He knew that. So from the beginning, from the foundations of the world, he created team to do something spectacular. He creates Adam and Eve and says, subdue the garden, take care of it. What's the garden today? 
I mean, subdue the earth, subdue the church, subdue my people, take care of my people, feed my sheep, tend to my flock, do these things. And then we can come, become so introverted as a body of Christ that we look at the outside world waiting for it to fix itself before we step outside. It's not going to. That's not how it works. It's not how it works. It's not a hopeless situation. <clears throat> it's not. I'm just trying to get us all to look in the mirror to see how great we are. I don't mean great like pound your chest. I mean, as you look a little closer, you know, when I look in the mirror, <clears throat> I will admit I was a beautiful baby. I was. I had big fat cheeks. I had dimples. I smiled a lot. I was beautiful. <laughs> I know, right? That's where I'm getting to. I slowly started to evolve into my dad. And I was like, wow. I, well, dad, were you a beautiful baby too? <laughs> what happened to us? There's these genetics, man. We get older, and then all of a sudden you see these little wrinkles, right? I don't like those, and your hair gets a little grayer. And, and some people shave it off, Ron. Um, <clears throat> but whatever, to each their own. And... <clears throat> And so we get to a place where we might not like what we see in the mirror, where we might not recognize the beauty that's inside of us. But if you look a little bit closer in the mirror, you will see somebody that the Savior of the universe believed in. If he didn't believe in you, why are you here? For God so loved the whole world, he gave his only son. For whosoever shall believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Oh, we know that verse, Bart. No, you don't. He picked you out. The Savior of the universe, God Almighty, picked you out. And you might not see your worth. You might not be able to play guitar or do drums. Or you might not be able to come up here and speak or whatever. But I, I trust me, I know you can do something powerful for the kingdom of God. You can I'm excited just for an opportunity to get out of bed and to come and speak about Jesus Christ to anybody. If only one person showed up, I would be just as excited, I promise, because God is all I've got. When you look into my, my treasure chest, the things I've got that are mine is Jesus. I don't have anything else. I'm broke to this world. I am. You can search me. The only thing I have that's of any value is my Savior, and he's mine. I know he's mine because he purchased me. He purchased me with his blood. I belong to him. That's exciting, is it not? Especially when you're like, we want to do something better together. So we, you know, we might get together and be like, you know, we want to we go and evangelize Mechanicsburg. Or West Liberty, if it's in your heart, Pastor Joey. <clears throat> we might want to go into a community and tell others about Jesus Christ, but, but that might not be your thing, right? It might not be. In, in your mind, you might be like, I don't know. I, that makes me nervous. Instead of rebuking and saying, well, God's called everybody to Speak of the words of Jesus Christ. And, well, he's called everybody in different ways. I'm pretty charismatic. I might not have a problem with it. 
I don't know many strangers, but you are probably a lot sweeter and meeker than I am. And maybe making someone a pie or some brownies. But guess what? A pie and brownies can go a long way. It can go a long, it can go a long way. You never seen anybody survive cancer and gain so much weight. I'm telling you right now, I keep going back to the doctor going, are you sure I had cancer? Look, you know, <clears throat> I don't know what's happening. But, but we can do things together. Everybody is gifted in different ways. They are. Uh, no matter what you do, you can't change certain things. I went out. Anybody know Chip and Joanne Gaines? Anybody know them? Right. I love them too. The people that know them love them. I don't know if they're robots or real people, but they're pretty perfect people. I mean, they've, they've got it together. They're good. Well, anyway, Joanne Gaines made this cookbook. So I went to a friend's house, and they made some things out of this uh, Magnolia cookbook. I encourage you all that know how to cook to go get it. You that don't, keep your money. Because <clears throat> I don't know how to cook, but I went and bought this thing thinking, let's see what I can do. Doesn't work. Um, <clears throat> I opened the cookbook, I stared at it, I did everything it said, I followed directions, not my gifting, not my talent. I tried hard. I am not, I'm just not there, I'm just not good at it. But someone is. Just like someone else can open this word of God and get something deeper. There are people that are called that can open this book and almost see in between the letters and almost in a visual way, see what God is saying in a deeper, deeper way. And those people are called maybe to preach, to teach. That's their gifting. I know that's not everybody's. It's not. And some people are called just for hospitality purposes. You know, Pastor Joey has put on events. I used to put on events. And you would put on these big events. One time in Belfountain, I brought, anybody know who Jeremy Camp is? I brought in Jeremy Camp, and then all of a sudden people started showing up, and I'm like, huh, I don't know how to do all this. And so I had to get a group of people to volunteer that was probably 50 strong that could do all the things that I was not gifted at. I'm just not. I mean, social media, ugh. You guys like social media? Oh, I hate it. But sometimes it's necessary. It's a necessary avenue to evangelize sometimes. And then marketing and, and, and making food. And then all of a sudden what happens is you get a writer from a manager that says, Jeremy, now, by the way, Jeremy Camp was amazing. I'm just going to exaggerate this a little bit because there are other musicians that came that were not so. But they were like, Jeremy Camp likes red M&Ms only. And you're like, What? And so dumb me will go around going, I need a pack of red M&Ms only. No, like, we don't make that. You got to take the red ones out and like, what do you do with the other ones? Well, <laughs> right? Problem solved. Got that one down. But that is, those are things that like you need to do. And like you've got, I'll just be real with you. I'll be, I'm going to, I'm going to Wizard of Oz it, pull back the curtain so we can see what goes on sometimes. Um, when you are called to give a message on Sunday mornings, sometimes your week uh, is an obstacle. 
because the enemy knows what you're called to do. And sometimes you'll get distracted from your sheep because they need extra help. And so if you're just trying to pastor on your own accord and you're just trying to do this by yourself, Pastor Joey may be pulled in several different directions. So by the time he gets the opportunity to come up here and to teach, you may be so worn out and so exhausted that it might not be as possible as it should have been. And that's why you have a church staff, right? That's why you have elders and, and, and youth pastors and associate pastors and all this help and, and worship leaders. And that's why the body is needed together. Greeters. Greeters, you're important. You know why? Because I've been to a church with bad greeters that are like, they got told to be in that position, right? And you walk in and you're like, good morning. Like, I'm like, good morning. They're like, Thank you. Whoo. Man, I'm going to tie thy promise. Jeez. But sometimes that happens for real, honestly. And a lot of times that happens, you know why? Because there's an there's a empty spot of need in the church, and we're just going to throw anybody into it. And sometimes that's not the best thing, right? It's just not. I've got uh, ADHD. And so I might not be a good greeter. I might be at the front door and a squirrel runs by. And then all of a sudden you're like, where's Barton? I'm over there sipping tea and being like, what? So I might not be the best greeter. Uh, But there are people that are called and gifted to that. Let me tell you, man, there are people called and gifted to that. They'll take you to your seat. They'll introduce you to people. And then all of a sudden you don't feel like an outcast. Because isn't it hard to walk into church the first time? Now, be honest. Can we? Ah, I love honesty. How many people have sat in the parking lot and like, I ain't going in. I don't know anybody. I'm not going in there. It's for real. It's true story, isn't it? I've done it, and and I'm a pastor. Like I've pulled up to churches before, and like, oh man, all these people came. I thought I was going to be the only one. And then you're like, I don't know anybody, and I literally have left the parking lot. God, I'll just listen to you on YouTube. God wants fellowship amongst the believers. He wants us to, to be together. He, he wants that. He's desired that. I, I don't know. It's back in Genesis, right? It's not good for man to be alone. We need fellowship with each other. We do. Look at this world. Don't they need to fellowship more with each other? You've got people mad at each other because of the color of their skin, because of their preferences, because of who they voted for. Man, it's because we're not fellowshipping. People don't know what it's like to be in each other's shoes. We don't even care anymore what it's like to be in another person's shoes. We're so gifted at judging. And you know who gave us that gift? Not Jesus, not God. They're the only ones that get to judge. They're the only ones that have the hammer. But yet we have received this gift that we're so good at from the enemy because he knows how to divide. He does. And we can sit and we can pick apart each other, can't we? Well, I can see where you're in there. I can see where you're not perfect. I don't listen to stuff like you. I like country music and I like this and I like quartets and I don't do that too much guitar, uh, whatever. We can get in that realm. We can get to the point where Um, You know, I have quoted certain pastors before, and the first thing, as soon as I quote them, people will be like, oh, they're too loud for me. And I'm like, well, I don't, I listen to words. If somebody's preaching 
Listen, I was in New York City one time with a group of Bible college friends. And there was a guy literally on a soapbox. He was on a box on a corner preaching about repentance and people needing to get saved. And everybody I was with laughed. If that guy leads one person to the Lord, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Because there are people in Times Square that need Jesus. They do. And, and, and I wasn't going to have enough guts to get up on that corner and do it. No, none of those theological people I was with were willing to get up and tell people about the savior of the universe. But yet there was this guy. And instead of tearing him down, I went and took a picture with him because I was like, I want someday to have the courage this guy has. Isn't it easy to tear people apart? I used to be really good at it, but God broke my heart for those people. Broke my heart. I'm glad I took notes. Jesus needed disciples. Now that sounds crazy. Somebody out there is going to be like, Jesus don't need anybody. He can do everything by himself. He needed disciples. We forget about the humanity of who Jesus is. We forget that God was in heaven and we messed up stuff so bad that God himself said, I'm going to leave the comfort of my throne and I'm going to take on the flesh and I'm going to live this life. By the way, anybody been outside the last couple of days and survive? <laughs> it, is, it is not fat guy weather. Absolutely is not. I lost 35 pounds just walking from the truck to inside. And so it, it's hot. You know, we, we, we laugh about that, but Jesus, God of the universe, took on discomfort for us. Now, I'm thankful none of us were God of the universe because would, I would have made the, I would have been like, no, they messed up. Start over. Isn't that what we do sometimes? We start over. Got a, lot of, got a lot of broken relationships because we're, start over. Start over, do again. But God is like, I'll fix it. I'll fix it. So God himself becomes flesh and dwells among us. And the first things he does, the first things Jesus does is go out to save the lost and the hurting with his team. Everybody knows the story, right? He goes out and puts a team together. I mean, first part of ministry, he goes out and he's like, <clears throat> and, and by the way, I don't know if it was exactly like this, but I'm pretty sure you have these qualified people over there going, I'm next. And then he walked right past them and walks down to this big burly fisherman and is like, hey, let's change the world. And a big burly fisherman's like, you got the wrong guy. I'm just, I'm, I'm just a fisherman. He goes, well, now you're going to fish for men. Come on. He talked to a fisherman who was completely unqualified compared to everyone else to go change the world with him. And then he found another one, and then another one, and then a farmer, and then tax collector. <laughs> Don't want him on your team. Nobody likes him. But you get a tax collector. You get all these people, and you're like, let's go change the world. And then who'd you make mad? All those theologians that are like, no, wait a second, I'm qualified. 
This cannot be the Messiah. Surely God would have come and found me. So even God himself, Jesus, who is God in the flesh, had to deal with the drama of a congregation, the drama of a sheep, of an assembly, the drama of people, even God himself. And still, did he deny his team? No. Jesus, with his team, went and started casting out demons. By the way, first thing Jesus did is start casting out unclean spirits and demons. Where did they go? Did they retire? No, man, we need some Jesus spirit up in here. Do you know that demons flee when he's in the room? They start repenting. As soon as Jesus in the book of Mark walked in a room, walked in the synagogue, demons and unclean spirits started saying, Lord, what do you want with us? While the church was trying to figure out who he was. That's the truth. Read it. I didn't write it. I didn't make it up. The demons knew that was the savior of the universe, but the people kept going, who's that bearded guy that speaks so wise? He's the Messiah. But Jesus was in love with us. And so he used us, imperfect earthen vessels, amateur Christians, and said, you're going to do greater things than even I. Wait a second. Jesus was resurrecting people from the dead, right? Who here is gifted in resurrecting people from the dead? Because I need you to hang out with me, right? So Jesus resurrecting people from the dead. Jesus walking on water. Jesus doing some miracles, okay? And, and yet he called his team to partake and to watch. And in, in, in one of the, anybody here ever, don't, don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. I ask people to do that all the time, and then I ask a question that it definitely should not raise your hand. There's a thing called anxiety, right? And, and, and sometimes it can cause a panic attack, and I'm going to be uh, transparent. I have had one. And, and you get to the point where you just, you're, you're so overwhelmed and hopeless. And it takes control of you and everything. And Jesus was never there, but his flesh was knocking on that door. In Luke chapter 22, verse 39 through 44. It says this, coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives as he was accustomed, and his disciples also followed him. When he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. We got work to do. Pray that you do not enter into temptation. Can the, can the disciples enter into temptation? Can you enter into temptation? Can pastors enter into temptation? Certainly the enemy has geared it up to the level 10 when it's tempting the people that are going to cause great change. And to hold them to a standard that, that, that it's a breeze for them, I got news for you, it is not a breeze. And so... Here Jesus is taking the disciples up, knowing that the enemy wants to sift them, wants to destroy them, and wants to keep what's about to happen from happening. He says, pray that you don't get tempted and fall into temptation. Verse 41, and he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. What cup are we talking about? 
What cup are we talking about that Jesus himself, God of flesh, says, if it's your will, take from me this cup. Dying was very difficult for Jesus. It was not an easy thing. Often, we glibly state it as if it was easy for the Savior of the universe to be scourged and beaten for us. It was not. It was hard. It was difficult. And, it, and frankly, it was something in Scripture that even in his flesh, he did not want to do until he recognized complete, utter surrender to God Almighty. There are times in your life when it takes complete surrender to get through something. I mean complete surrender and trust. And here's Jesus knowing that they had a parade for me just days ago, and now they want to murder me in the city. And he says, take from me this cup if there's any other way. But the most powerful line, I think, in Scripture comes next. And he says, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. We cannot do outreach in our own will and effort. We cannot just put together a plan to tell people three steps of salvation and then pat them on the back and say, go and enjoy the world. It's surgery, and it takes doctors, and it takes literally dying and loving someone to really know their shoes and where they've been and where they've walked and falling in love with a group of people you haven't even met yet, knowing that Jesus could change their life for eternity. That's outreach. Outreach is selfless. It's, it's always inconvenient when it comes to Christ. It's always inconvenient. It's never on your schedule. It's on his. There is a, oh, so I fail often. I try not to. But, but there are times I fail, and I was in Dayton, Ohio, close to my office. I took a quick break, and I needed to get back to my office. It's pouring down rain, and then in the middle of this busy intersection, this car, like, runs out of gas. Maybe, I don't know what was wrong with it, but this older gentleman is pushing his car. Ain't nobody else stopping to get out because it's pouring down rain. I got to get back to the office. And I had all these reasons. God, you know I got to get back to the office. I've got an appointment coming in. <sighs> the right thing is always the right thing, right, Ken? It is always the right thing. And what's the right thing in that situation? What would Jesus do? We, got the, we don't even wear the bracelets anymore. Anybody got one of them? Good job. What would Jesus do? Well, he would have stopped and helped that gentleman out and showed him the love of what this whole institution of Christianity embodies. It's, it's selfless. It's not self-seeking. And, and, and so I got out, and guess what happened when I got out? Two other people got out. It took one person to start it, and then all of a sudden we get this gentleman underneath the awning at the gas station to pump gas or whatever he had to do. I looked like a drowned cat. 
and get back to the office and still made it in time because my appointment was late. Right? And so God knew what was happening, but I sat there and thought the whole time, God, you are so inconvenient. But when you let God inconvenience you, that's what surrender looks like. All of a sudden, the burden becomes light. Don't you feel better when God uses you? Don't you feel better when you find out that you're useful? That there's something that God can use you for? He can use you. And that's one of those things. We're going till 1.30 today? I promise I'll end on time. I don't know what time that is, but I promise. I don't know if you guys know this, but they closed all the restaurants in Urbana down. They're no longer open. They're no longer open. So there's a great danger in seeking your will instead of the will of Christ. It's one, it it, it hurts when you seek your will instead of the will of Christ. Anybody... uh, Again, don't listen to me. Sometimes you can put your life on pause. And you can feel like you've been on a treadmill, running and doing all the work, but never going anywhere. And a lot of times it's because we keep fighting against God. And God has called us to something great or has called us to start doing something. And and we're so afraid to take that first step or we're so afraid to, to, to have an idea even. I know what it's like to almost have every position in the church. And I know what it's like sometimes to sit in a chair and be afraid to have an idea. Because if I have an idea and I tell the people above me and they shoot it down, that's rejection. And I haven't liked rejection since the third grade. And I have forgiven her. But that was a rough year. It was a rough year. But rejection's tough, isn't it? Rejection's difficult because it almost sends the false message. Fear's a liar, right? It almost sends a false message that you're not worth it and that you're no good. And that's a lie from the enemy. It could be the wrong time. It could be that you've got to wait just a minute. Just a minute. We're going somewhere and we're not there yet. And it takes a certain patience and surrender. Okay, do not be confused with this. I'm going to finish up here in just a second, but don't be confused with this. So living, a, living in Christ's will, in his yoke, um, becomes selfless, sacrificial, and all that. That sounds great, but I want, to, I want to address this real quick. Sometimes I feel like we give the false message that the church is wimpy. We do where the world will look at the church or even some Christians look at the church as if it's a passive, wimpy church, body. What are you doing? I haven't seen anything from you guys in decades. Who's the church? What do they have to offer? Just a bunch of pious people stomping their feet, pounding their fists. You know you don't have to take that. You can love them anyway. You know you're allowed to love them back anyway. Even when you're judged so harshly for being that dumb person that threw their brains out and believed Jesus anyway, because that's honestly, that's how the world sometimes looks at us. You can love them back 
anyway. Because there will come a time, I've read this, there will come a time when our hearts become so broken that love becomes the greatest of these. And it may not matter what verse you're quoting to be right about. And it may not matter uh, uh, what denomination you are. But love is always, always the greatest of these. And when you are so rejected, when you are so hated by a group of people or some people or you're looked at as ignorant or foolish or whatever, you can love those people anyway. And matter of fact, I recommend turning it up a notch. Serve them. Serve them. My dad today is in heaven because there's a period of time he didn't want anything to do with Jesus. And God's like, Bart, turn it up a notch. And I would write, listen, listen, I'm not embarrassed to say this anymore. I would write my dad love letters. My dad did not want anything to do with me for a long time. And I would write him letters like, I am so proud that you're my dad. Even if it was just one line. Or I'd write a paragraph. Thank you for always putting a roof over our head. You know why? Because he would remind us that that's what he's done. (laughs) I put a roof over your head. Thank you. It's amazing how words are powerful. And so all of a sudden, I remember one day him coming home from work. I'd put him in his lunchbox. Him coming home from work, opening my door. And it was like, it was months of this. And he finally one day had to say, Thanks for your letter. (laughs) And then a few years later, I led my dad to the Lord. I was the one that baptized my father. I was his pastor. And today, he's in eternity with Jesus Christ. Because God taught me a lesson a long time ago that surrender is worth it. And that his burden is light. And his yoke is is easy. Even though that period of time seemed difficult, it was the smartest and the best way I could do things. If you want to know how do I look at myself, and this is what I'm going to close on, if you want to know how do I look at myself to determine if I'm doing the right things or the wrong things. Because sometimes as Christians, uh, we can struggle with that. We can. And so, James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. It is a verse on heavenly wisdom versus demonic wisdom. I go back to this all the time. I do. Because the flesh is weak, right? The flesh is weak. Um, By the way, you know how weak the flesh is when you're on Facebook and you find out your friends aren't as smart as you are? And they start putting all this stuff on Facebook and you're like, I got to disagree with it. I can't let them know I don't agree with them. And And then you start typing something out, and then you're like, I've learned one question to ask myself. Is it worth it? (laughs) And then you hit the delete button, because it's not worth it. It's not worth it. And then you go back to James chapter 3, and you're like, God, all right. James chapter 3, verse 13 says this, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. 
But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. Bitter envy and self-seeking, according to Scripture, are earthly, sensual, and demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. Verse 17, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, it is gentle, it's willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of the righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace." Boy, I got to tell you, being a guy that loves to win, being somebody that doesn't often back down, this verse, these verses always get me. And as a body trying to work together, James chapter 3 is vital. Because we might not all agree, right? When it comes to outreach, people might not all agree. But it's very important to understand that the body's made up of different parts and that we're all working to go in the same direction after the same goal. And what is that goal? To see lost people found, to see dead people raised, to see people restored, right? That's all I want to do is I want to see brokenness restored. I want to see victory in lost and hurting people. I want to see that take place. And it can't take place with one person. And it can't take place because worship's good. It cannot take place because Pastor Joey knows how to preach. It can take place if the body of Christ works together to a point where when these doors open, the unclean spirits say, we're out of here. I got to get out of this madhouse. These people are starting to surrender to Jesus. I don't want to be around them. And then all of a sudden you walk down in that community. You walk down in this community and you start telling people about Jesus. And all of a sudden they see in you the love that Jesus has for them. That's what's important. Are you literally the image of Christ's love? Why are you saved? I'll tell you why Bart Zirkel saved. Bart Zirkel saved because when he closes his eyes, he can see God in the flesh dying on a cross saying, Bart, I love you this much. And then all of a sudden, he's such a rock star that he kicks a rock from the cave and walks out and says, and I love you this much. He's resurrected his life. And he says, now I'm giving you this life. If the resurrection power of Jesus Christ is inside of me, truth or treasure or truth or false, if the resurrection power of Jesus Christ is inside of me, then I ought to use it. Amen? Guess what? It's inside of you too. So I'm going to close in prayer, Pastor Joey, if that's cool. And what I want to pray is that the heart of outreach just engulf us and that we do one thing that Jesus did. Die for the love of the lost. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we thank you, God. Thank you, Father, that we can stand in your presence, God. We thank you for your Holy Spirit, God. Lord, I pray for discernment, Lord, discernment in your spirit. 
knowing, Father, what way to go, Lord, that you have ordained our path already, God. There are a lot of people here from a lot of different directions, Father, a lot of different shoes that they have walked, Lord. And I pray for each person here, God, that you, Father, anoint them with your Holy Spirit right now in Jesus' name, Father, that they would know the, the calling in their life, God, where you have marked for them to go, Father, that they're, that they're going to be used to change someone's life for eternity, God. And Lord, we don't say this in a cliche manner, God. Show us where we ought to go, God, if it's the gas station down the road, if it's reaching out to someone that's hurt us, Father. Give us an image right now, Lord Jesus, of somebody that needs the love of you, God, and Lord, I pray that our hearts would break for the lost souls that are crying out, God, that often we don't hear. Let us hear them, Father. I pray that we would be so sensitive in the spirit, God, that Mechanicsburg Christian Fellowship would begin to hear the lost souls crying out, Father, and break our hearts in a manner, God, that when we walk out these doors and wherever we go, God, that your love would overflow from us, God. And Lord, during this time, God, as outreach becomes such an important, vital part of this church, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you keep us from temptation, God, Lord, we pray a hedge of protection around this place, God, in our homes, Lord Jesus. We rebuke unclean spirits, God. We rebuke the enemy. He doesn't belong here, God. May he see that we are bought and purchased with the blood of the Savior, God. And may those enemies flee right now, God. Lord, you are so good. I pray for revival at Mechanicsburg Christian Fellowship, God, and not just these walls and not just this church, God, but in homes, God, that marriages would be restored, God, that lost people would be found, Lord Jesus. And I pray, God, that it would go to the in-law's house and then the neighbor's house, God, and then all of our families, God, would be so anointed and so moved by the Spirit, God, that we would understand the love of our Savior. Lord, we give you all the praise all the glory, God, for what you're doing and what you're going to do. And Lord, I pray a special anointed prayer for the pastors of this church, God, for the church leadership, Lord, for the elders, God, for the workers with the youth and the children, God, that you make their way light. Their burdens become easy, Lord. I pray, Father, for that path to become clear. I pray, Lord Jesus, for you to prune a path, God, where there seems to be no path. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you use them in such a manner, God, to, that, that people would introduce, be introduced not only to you, not only to your kingdom, God, but a new way of living, God. Thank them, God. I bless them, Lord Jesus. Protect their households. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I was just kidding. Frisius is open. All right. Thank you, Bart. Remember to fill out your questions and take them out to the welcome desk. You guys are dismissed.